Welcome to Showboys, the podcast that delves into the world of film and TV. Hosts Nick, Mike, and Chad take their water cooler talk from the office to the web as they discuss their favorite movies, shows, and all other content in between. In this week's episode, director and documentarian Ben Berman joins the show to talk about his film work, including his most recent documentary that landed on ESPN. So, what's the American Gladiators? Showboys, my name is Mike. Uh, we have a really fun episode planned for you guys tonight. We are joined by um, filmmaker, documentarian, uh, American Gladiator super fan, uh, Ben Berman. Actually, I, I I don't know if you actually are an American Gladiator super fan, but uh, I'm not. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just make documentaries. Um, yeah. yeah um, but yeah, we're we're. We're glad that that you're here with us today. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, 30 for 30 on the American Gladiators, uh, some of your other work, and just kind of get to know Ben Berman. So um, thank you again for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me. I'm just yeah. waking up from a nap. I had a very nice little nap just moments ago. I should have woken up a little bit ahead of time. No. <laughs> Not around here. We all We all roll in. We're really close. Yeah, where where are you guys located? Uh, we're up in Northeast Ohio, so it's um nine o'clock, brisk, you know, smoky. nine o'clock tonight. Actually, yeah, pretty smoky. We got the Canadian wildfire uh, smoke rolling in the last couple of days. Wow, that's been that's a, terrible. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, Nick, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I actually came prepared, you know. Um, oh, I watched shocking. I watched the American Gladiator documentary, both parts. <laughs> um, never opened the ESPN app before. I did for this. Oh wow! Um, Hell yeah! That that was an unpleasant experience. That app is not easy to use. ESPN Plus. I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you what. I, I recently got the Disney bundle, mm-hmm. so I could I uh, watch ESPN Plus, and and it, I was always I was waiting to get Disney Plus anyway, but um. Yeah, it was pretty fucking difficult to like sync <laughs> it to sync things up and uh, get my Hulu and my Disney all worked out. So yeah, but uh, I'm hope I, I, I'm happy you eventually got there and you got to see the doc. Yeah, there was only one device I would remember where I left off on. Everywhere else I watched it, I had to start from scratch each time, and I was like, <laughs> "Come on, like just remember it, same account, whatever." So, yeah. so you're saying you should be really familiar with both parts as we, you know, go over it tonight with Ben. Yeah, I, I've rewatched part two. I definitely <laughs> rewatched a, a few, a few minutes throughout for Good. sure. Um, cool. Part two, part two is the better one, part in my opinion. So, uh, thank you. God damn, I don't know what's been going on. The world's been going crazy. Uh, I've I always thought that part two is the more fun you know, subversive, weird, or, you know, I don't know, deeper kind of uh, yeah. uh, part between the two parts. And, you know, I go on Twitter and I check out what people are saying and and letterboxed reviews. And every, like, <laughs> a lot of people are like, yeah, part one was actually pretty good. Part two sucked. But now everyone's <laughs> jumping. I don't know if you guys know about the Netflix 
uh, yeah, like, yeah, I saw that. Uh, so everything's everyone's all the dopes are jumping ship over to that one, being like that one's the good one. So, um, you know, it's well, uh, we're, we're gonna combat that tonight. Uh, no, it's <laughs> yeah. fine, it's it's it is what it is, and uh, people have different opinions. We're not gonna, if you have to be convinced to like, like the ESPN one over the Netflix one or like part one over part two, like, yeah, it's, it's wasted. It's wasted breath. <laughs> you didn't get it. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they can don't like what they don't like. And it's, I won't lose sleep over it. Yeah. So I guess a good place to get started would be how this project even came to be. Uh, how, how did you end up making a two part documentary on the American gladiators? Um, it started with, uh, someone, uh, from vice, um, reaching out to me before the pandemic, I'm pretty sure just saying, Hey, we're thinking about doing a documentary about American gladiators. And I, uh, remembered, I, I used to watch American gladiators when I was a kid and, um, clearly remembered it, but I was like, I'm not interested in just doing a straight up nostalgia doc, you know? Uh, but let me look into it, see if there's something there, see if there's an actual story uh, that could be interesting. And very quickly, I I kind of found a couple things that were really kind of interesting to me uh, that mainly dealt with the 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 weirdness and the secrecy of like the the origin story and and who is this Dan Carr guy and why does yeah. Johnny, the creator, the creator of the show. Um, creative American gladiators. Why, why is he so vocal about us never being able to interview Dan Carr? So yeah. I was like, There's something here. Uh, let's let's find out. You know, I, I'm sure you probably don't remember the tweet, but like as soon as I finished uh, part two, I was like, I have so many questions that I would <laughs> I could ask Ben. And well, here we are. That's kind of how this whole thing started. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it, you ended up telling a story that. I didn't even realize I wanted to hear um, and something totally different than what I expected uh, when I came into the documentary. I was just thinking we're going to get some cool like behind the curtain things on the gladiators themselves. And then we get this like absolutely wild origin story with these two larger than life people and in, in Dan and Johnny and um is is Johnny like is he really like that? Like in person in your your uh like day-to-day -day interactions with him? Is he really like that surreal? That's surreal? Uh well, I don't know necessarily surreal. Like he he he's I think he's all my interactions with him, uh uh while we were filming, not while we while we were filming, is basically I think you know what you yeah. see in the documentary. It's I read the other day he's he's upset with his portrayal, <laughs> um, which uh, maybe there's validity to that. I I don't see that. I see like a mirror, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> well, I that's what I I really people are upset with with. You know, I'm upset. Like, if I look at myself and I like in the mirror and I'm like fat, like, and I see myself as fat, <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck you! I don't like that image." But it's like I'm, I'm really the fat guy. You know, he's like, blaming the mirror. Huh? He's blaming the mirror. He just held up the mirror. 
Yeah, yeah, to some degree. And of course, like we editorialize and we yeah. like, you know, make something a little funnier, make something a little sadder with music and all that stuff. But yeah, I think to answer your question, I can't speak to the surreal phrasing, but yeah, Johnny, in my assessment, you know, me and a number of people made the movie. It's like in our assessment, it's what you see is what you get. <laughs> and it's like, I, I'm, I think it's accurate. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Well, that's what I liked about the way you approach this documentary because, like you said, it's not a nostalgia trip, right? And the first part I really felt was, um, like catching me up on what 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 this is, like the American Gladiators. But the second part was totally, um, just a discovery tour of like all the weird stuff that happens behind it. And I don't feel like there was a lot of opinion right from you or anyone else that made it like it very much was like you guys were just kind of finding stuff and you just kind of put it together like there's very rarely you guys were like this is the spin that we think is true um in in the first part you're saying second part oh in the second part um yeah 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 to some degree but then again like what is a film what is a film without a director's opinion or a director's like point of view or, you know, voice. So I'd like to think that my voice and my point of view is is in part two, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's, nothing is completely, like, the most, like, um, true to form or whatever is, like, you know, the, the, the most verite, verite you could do, the most, like, just observational thing where there is no voiceover, there is no editing, you know, it's just, like, raw footage, you know, whatever but so every everything's got a bit of a spin i do think that part two i can't like think of every moment right now but yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty i think honest and and true to what we encountered right when we were there you know um i don't know it probably doesn't matter but like a a number of um you know thunder from from part one, the gladiator thunder who uh, in part one, we, we, we see him in roughly modern day and he's pretty debilitated. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's with a Walker and all that stuff. And, you know, we literally were invited to his house um, in North Carolina and we were a documentary crew. We brought cameras and we, we filmed, we know we, they knowingly were filmed his wife and him knowingly were filmed, gave us a tour of his whole, you know, um, you know, house and, 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 uh, uh, whatever it is farm. And, um, yeah, I, I, some of his, his wife and his friend, some of his friends were very upset with our portrayal of, of thunder. His name's Billy, but it's like, I, 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 I'm very sympathetic and empathetic to the fact that he was suffering and, and he passed away since the movie but like portrayal what it's it's the mirror thing again we yeah yeah we filmed him <laughs> and there, yeah. there were, we used the footage that like we filmed of him it, it's just i think i think i don't know i think people subjects of docs and of everything bring their own like they bring their own shit yep to two things and i bring my own shit to making a movie and you know, I don't know. Maybe I have a, a, a um, 
more of an appetite for sadness or uh, <laughs> whatever than than others. Um, and 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 you know, uh, emotionality and 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 broken sad people because aren't we all broken sad people? But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Part two is uh, I think it's all pretty darn as tr- tr- as truthful as I could. Yeah. I like before you jumped in, uh, Nick and I were talking and he made a good point where part one seems like uh, from Johnny's point of view, like what he wants everyone to see the show as. And then part two is like, this is really what is going on. Um, So that was pretty neat. Um, Since you brought up Thunder, uh, were there... uh, or did any of the gladiators uh, stories as people like, you know, impact you during the filming of this? Was there anyone that really stuck out or uh, how, how was that experience getting to know these guys and girls? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Things, you know, impacted me and, and some of the, the crew, Um, you know, not, not in any way, not like any way that made me lose sleep necessarily, but in a way that it's like, wow, this really is what a fascinating life. What a fascinating person, not character, not subject, what a fascinating, endearing person, you know, Darren McBee, who's Malibu is and, and red uh, saber, red Williams, me and him became uh pretty darn close. And I really like, I really like, the people that the gladiators that we had. Uh, and I remember, yeah, interviewing Mike Horton, Gemini and man, like what a, like, uh, you know, such an older or such an, uh, uh, how do I say it? I don't know. He's just been around and he's such a man. And like to see him <laughs> break down uh, so often about his family, like he, he, right. uh, such a great guy um but yeah really had some some like he was haunted still by by some of this stuff that he experienced with the gladiators 30 years ago uh yeah just really fascinating i think um and i will say like do you if you remember bob levy the director he, mm-hmm. he appears in part one yeah. um <laughs> i i there's a little bit of a cautionary tale maybe in in him for me personally because I'm a Jewish director living in Hollywood and, and he's, he, he is and was a Jewish director living in Hollywood. And he's, you know, he lives in this beautiful kind of Hollywood mansion or a nice house. Um, and, and his career, like he, he doesn't work anymore. And he's just kind of hanging out around his house being like, man, I wish I could work. And I, he doesn't really look like he's got much of a family. So it's like work will can can drive you in a direction that will when you're 70 something leave you alone and 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 suffering uh so i don't know <laughs> alone in hollywood alone in hollywood <laughs> having experienced having you know made money but like then you're just fucking old and 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 crazy and uh, that's where i'm heading so i'm looking to <laughs> not do that right um, Ugly Kid Joe Cross at uh, 553 wrote, if Ben Herman has taught me anything, it is that I am a piece of shit. Now, I'd like to think that's a reference to something, a, 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 a short film of mine that I made, but is it is it not? Can Ugly Kid Joe, Cro- Joe Cross chime in and let us know if that is a... He better. 
a reference to what I, I think it might be? Uh, <laughs> yes, Joe, come on. Let him know. Um, we can keep on talking until he. Yeah, I was and I'm the you know, I really like that. I mean, obviously, a lot of documentaries work like that, but seeing inside these people's homes and how much that changes between each one. And then obviously the ones that didn't want that prefer really John said that he didn't want you guys in the house. Um, is it most definitely <laughs> what you're thinking it is? <laughs> yeah, he said most definitely. So, but he he's inside oh, yeah, he's your good. mind right now, Ben. You feel fat. I know. See, this guy, this guy gets it. I made a short film <laughs> called How to Lose Weight in Four Easy Steps, which uh yeah there's a line a repeated line from the sub from the main from the subject from the main character who basically calls himself a piece of shit you're a piece of shit i'm a piece of shit uh so good good work ugly kid joe cross thank you <laughs> i do need to work out okay anyway sorry guys <laughs> no you're good hey don't worry all i was gonna ask like who who was the most like intense person to interview like which one was the most not intimidating or like whichever one was the most intense, whatever the emotion might be. Um, Man, everyone in their own way. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, you want to say Johnny, I think overall in the grand scheme of the project, Johnny was the most intense. Cause that guy, his batteries don't run out, man. Like <laughs> he just, and I was not even talking with him on a daily basis or like I made sure that like someone at vice someone at the studio or the production company like was johnny's handler because i had made one documentary before and i know how much a main <laughs> subject a main you know a person that you're making a doc doc on like needs and they get angry at you and they need you to be nice and uh, like for years so it's like i was like you handle johnny any which way um but even with me not like being his main handler it was still taxing and 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 intense for sure um did he try to co-direct like with you well pretty much <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's kind of i love how i love how you included uh i was listening earlier uh to your appearance on uh what the handheld podcast um <laughs> yeah. and how you guys were talking about uh like kind of how you you cut this you edited it with you know, the, the background negotiations and like talks that you typically don't see included in the documentary, uh, how you just peel the curtain back and you do that. You, you did that too. in the amazing Jonathan, which I want to talk to you about that too. Cause that was another really fascinating, uh, documentary, but, um, yeah, thank you. yeah th those parts were, were great. And you could totally get that vibe where he's like, no, Ben, you got to do this. You got to do this. I want to do this. Um, is that like normal? I don't know, man. It's it, for me. I've made two documentaries so far, and both main subjects were like difficult and controlling. And <laughs> they, they, I, and in both, I used like you know phone recordings uh, of them like telling me what they wanted to do, what I can have, what I can't have, and all that stuff to make a point of their kind of controlling personalities it's normal so far and I don't want it to be normal, normal. But <laughs> I think it, I think it, yeah. it, it, it's, I trendy. Think it it's just like, uh, yeah, you know, I think a certain type of person allows documentaries to be done on them. And 
everyone wants to come out looking like they want to come out, regardless of if it's truthful, regardless if they even think it's truthful. Um, but yeah, no, I, it is kind of fun and nice to mine stuff that isn't normally used in the actual project itself to like, to help tell the story or help exp like illustrate the character, the subject, mm -hmm. you know, I think um, it's, it's like documentaries for me are always happening. Not even when a camera's on, you know, like, yeah. I don't know why people think like I can be a dick to you or I can do X to you like four days before we're in the studio and, and filming. But like when we're filming, I'm going to be very nice because like, that's what you're going to use. Like, I'm all, I'm always, we're always watching, you know, <laughs> like, so, yeah, like you're not, you're not just you in front of a camera. You're always you. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. One, one of the things that really pulled me in uh, right away was just like the, the presentation, the stylization, I guess, of the documentary, um, how it was edited and pieced together. And um, it, it kind of stands out among a lot of other documentaries. And I just wanted to, to let you know that that was something that I greatly appreciated. And I hope, um, I, I hope that's something that continues to stay with all of your projects. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's good. Um, uh, how, how much did your time, you know, editing on Tim Narek, like play into different techniques and things that you used with, with these two docs? You know, I, I think in reality, plenty, but not, not, not like in anything too specific. It's not like the Tim and Eric editing of like hyper, like, you know, is, is used much or, or, or at all in, in either of these docs. It, but it's, I think my, my past editing and, and especially, you know, in the Tim and Eric world, um, I think gave me, confidence and like a a roadmap regarding what 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 an editor <laughs> is and maybe should be and 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 what an editor in my assessment isn't and and what like you know just like uh you know tim and eric as directors like are you know they're very idiosyncratic you know a tim and eric thing when you see it um i don't know i think just coming up in that world showed me um that you can make something very specific. You can make it very quickly if, if you want to or need to. And like, you don't have to always second guess yourself. Just like the first idea, the first cut might end up being really good. And the thing that like, you know, screens, you know, is projected in, at Sundance or something. Um, in my experience, having worked with some other people at this point, not just on the Gladiators project, but, but, throughout time is like not everyone is able to just kind of pinpoint what this scene is kind of like the presentation, what it's supposed to be, what it should, what it feels nice as, or, or, or intentionally opposite, like doesn't feel nice and like the meaning of it. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily completely answering your question, but yeah, I think, you know, the, a little Tim and Eric quality or a little like weird adult swimmy, you know, mm -hmm. funny humor mixed with like 
some really kind of sad, dark or, or emotional moments. Like that's, that's my MO, you know, like to go from something very funny, like Bob Levy burping to, you know, Malibu talking about his, his wife dying, you know, and, and sometimes, especially in the Jonathan doc, like seconds from each other and somehow it works <laughs> yeah. is, yeah. is, is I'm, I'm proud. And maybe that's, what's most jarring for people when they watch part one, then part two, and they think part two sucks is because <laughs> where you do that, maybe within seconds in that doc, but then also just in general, the whole pacing, the two halves is also like that is to me, the, the, like the first half one is like the more glamorous portrayal of it, the more inf- informational version of it. And then the part two is like, this is like super real. There's like people issues. There are just personalities. There's decades of relationships like unraveling here. And Dan Carr, like mm. when you finally interviewed him, like it really put in the perspective that like these are just people. And like, these are two dudes who've had a relationship for decades. And these issues are far beyond like what anyone can put like a single pin in and say, this is the it. Like, this is the bad guy. This is the good guy. And I thought that was like the really cool part of all that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, the whole heroes and villains thing. And like, um, in reference in my mind, it was in clearly in reference to like Johnny and Dan, but there is no clear Johnny is not a villain and Dan is not the hero and everyone does everything wrong (laughs) and everything. (laughs) Everyone is like also just trying to do their best. And like, we all make mistakes and I don't know. Uh, But I, I loved the fact that we were able to make that commentary, make that comment through the Hollywood screenwriter, the Peter Eilif guy who wrote the, the, the the Hollywood script, the American yeah. Gladiator script. Um, I don't know. It's just stuff like that. I, I like, I also clearly like, and I got to probably chill out on this. Like, um, <laughs> uh, what is it? Like story, like sometimes allowing the documentary to dip into being somewhat self-aware and talking about that, you know, how stories are told, you know, um, the fact that like Johnny is at that point definitely being portrayed as a villain uh, through Dan Carr's writing and our recreations of Dan Carr's writing. Um, yeah, like I want to help the audience also understand like that this is this is a this is a movie. It might not be. I don't know. It's I, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like um <laughs> Yeah, being somewhat self-referential is 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 sometimes a nice way to tell the audience like don't take everything for exact fact. Like you know, like uh mm-hmm. this this is a story and I don't know, just like think about that this is not just like this is this is not absolute accurate fact or I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I I like the eye lift section. I'll I'll end with that. There's something <laughs> refreshing and like it does double duty or something that scene it talks about the form and it talks about the story at hand and i appreciate that yeah so dan's come up now so (laughs) can can we get down are are you able to say like why johnny didn't want dan involved well i can i can speculate 
Um, but I think I think uh, maybe it's better to hear from you guys if you want to talk about it. Let's see what you guys what what thoughts what assessment you guys have because it's probably correct. The way I took that was especially how I can kind of see it from a realistic just a people perspective, right? Like Johnny was worried, right, constantly about this image that he's trying to hold uphold and Dan's like kind of this wild card that has kind of been like in his shadow this whole time for one reason or another. That's kind of like this this haunting factor that he's constantly worried about as someone who wants that image maintained. So for him it was probably just easier to be like, yeah, just don't. Like don't worry about it. Like don't worry about Dan. Um but then once you kind of like broke open that that veil and he, you know he's kind of okay with it. Okay, cool. Like everything's okay. Um, I guess it's kind of like the, the friend that you had a fight with and you don't want to like talk about it for decades. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that wasn't so bad. Just kind of just let it happen. He's too controlling. Right. And it was actually, he was making a big deal out of what was otherwise nothing being 30, 40 years later. Right. There's a world. There is a, there is a world. I'm not saying it's a big world, but there's a possibility that if Johnny at the beginning of this production and us dealing with him was like, yeah, um, as you can see in the credits of the show, I've got a co-creator. Uh, you should interview him too. Um, like if he did that, we would have like interviewed Dan Carr probably eventually. And Dan would have like probably been like, yeah, no, me and Johnny did this thing together and I'm grateful. Like every, like he, yeah. I think Johnny made it way worse for himself, but that's telling Mm, I, yeah. it, it, I think in reality, like, do you know, it's present in Dan Carr's writing in his book that in Dan Carr's assessment, and Johnny knows this because Johnny was aware of the fact that this book existed in 2008, that, like, he was aware that Dan, at least Dan felt that he was slighted and, like, left in, like, Johnny took the idea and ran with it and made money, and he didn't. And Dan Carr has been vocal in the past, so... Johnny, I think, was worried about us. You know, yeah. If we got to talk to Dan, Dan just spilling the beans and and you know questioning Johnny's um, character uh, and how he operated. So, yeah, no, I th- the amount that Johnny protested Dan Carr being in this documentary was the very thing that led me to Dan Carr because I was like, something's going on here. Um, yeah. How, so you- how far in the process was it that you guys finally like one? found Dan and two convinced Johnny to let you include that into the, the doc. Well, we always, it wasn't like, we're like, how are we going to find Dan? We always knew that he was in Florida, but it was the fact that we were contractually not uh, allowed to reach out to Dan uh, or basically all that to say in Johnny's deal with vice, he put in it that in order for us to get a, interview with Dan, Johnny would have to grant us an interview with Dan and he wasn't doing that. So it was quite a little while until we, I think Johnny was kind of forced. He kind of put his own back up against a wall. We were like going to Erie to film Johnny and to, you know, uh, you know, basically in Johnny's assessment, film Johnny and film his mom at his house and all that (laughs) stuff. And, um, and 
so yeah, something happened. Basically, there was kind of partially like we did that news piece that that airs towards the end of part two. And also Johnny was like starting to hear like Dan Carr was aware that there was an American Gladiators documentary. And for a while, for a long while, like no one reached out to him to do an interview because we couldn't. So Dan Carr kept on asking Johnny, like, when are they going to film me? When are they going to film me? And then when they when we were going to Erie, I think that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back where Johnny like suddenly was getting pressure from the people of Erie. Like, when are you going to interview Dan? When are you going to interview Dan? And then Johnny basically had to decide if he was going to tell Dan you're not going to be interviewed and like face why or or, no or risk Dan, Dan talking in the documentary. So, like you know, so Johnny put himself in a precarious situation that um, that was the only way out was to give us Dan. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. You, you, you yeah. caught me in the, in the doc. I was very shocked when he showed up on screen actually there cool. towards then. I was like, Oh dang, they actually did it. Yeah. They yeah. It's, it's great it. to see him sit down into frame and especially yeah. with the outfit he's wearing is like, that's just great. <laughs> it's just great that he chose to wear that, that shirt. Yeah, and and John, yeah, just for no over nothing really, maybe something, but over his own paranoia, just built up a real sense of like there was something more going on, but really there probably really wasn't. No, wait, I, I, there's ton, there for them for, for them. Johnny Ferraro and Dan Ferraro, uh, Dan Carr. There's tons going on. There's decades yeah. of deceit. There is blatant lying. There's friends, like you know, friends in their 20s or 30s deceiving, stealing a white, rich white man, stealing a Native American man's idea, his property. Like there's everything in that. Dan Carr still to this day lives an extremely meager existence. Now, you know, is Johnny's money that he has now, is it mainly from American gladiators? I don't know. I don't think so. Is it from family money? Maybe. I don't know, but no, there's tons baked into over the decades of of the story between them. So for Johnny, and and let's be honest, I also think it's it's pride and it's ego. Everyone wants to, you know, like have the attention on themselves and it, and Johnny clearly isn't looking and for good reason and for absolutely bad reason to share the spotlight with Dan. American Gladiators, in my assessment, would never have existed if not for Dan Carr. There would be no words, American yeah. Gladiators. There would not be tough men competing against each other and women. Right. Uh, and if it wasn't for Johnny Ferraro being this businessman, this pitch guy, <laughs> American Gladiators <laughs> would have died in 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 Erie in, in the 80s. You know, So yeah. you needed both of them to do the thing. For and sure. Now, now the thing is available in a five-part doc series on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Darn. Oh, is man. it the same length though? Because you kind of got you got what three hours? Yeah, three hours. Yeah, theirs is a little bit longer. Five Solid part. three hours too. I mean, like it's it's good. It's a good three hours. Thank you. I think theirs is four something. I watched it all yesterday, and I left not because <laughs> of the content or the quality or whatever, but maybe I left feeling like fucking. <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> ever watched five hours of one subject matter in one day? I spread it out over the course of the day, but couple uh, naps. Yeah, yeah, couple yeah naps. the nap, nap before the show today. What's that? I said hence the nap before the show today. Yeah, I'm just need to catch up. 
I'm sleeping. Um, I'm sleeping away the pain. So is <laughs> so so John had a deal with Vice to get this documentary done. What's the situation with the Netflix one? Dan? Uh, no. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, at one point, Johnny was worried that the Netflix project was trying to get Dan uh, Carr, um, but I don't think that was ever a real thing. Um, uh, yeah, no, what, my understanding is that like Nitro is a producer of the uh mm the Netflix gladiators doc. And like, I think it kind of started with him uh, approaching a production company in Canada. And then for a little while I was hearing like, Oh, Mark Duplass is like, he came on to produce the gladiator, the, the Netflix one. And then that went away. And then like, I heard that the, um, yeah, a couple producers came and went, or, or maybe that was just speculation, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. Uh, what can I say? A, a, net, a, a nitro produced documentary about himself um, seems problematic to the documentary community, but the documentary <laughs> community, I don't think is is watching is watching this. I don't think they're fucking watching our my doc either. So uh, you know, some docs work well. Some docs <laughs> you, you waste two and a half or you know waste two and a half years. You spend two and a half years thinking you're making another Sundance, you know, award-winning, you know, respected doc. And then it's just like, it comes out and some people are into it. Thanks for asking me to be on your podcast and, and liking it. And then oh, a Netflix project comes out four weeks later and it's just like, it's just, it's all content. It's yeah. all this, <laughs> tale, uh, you know, commercial content. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you, we found out in, in your doc that gladiators kind of came to be during writer strikes. Yeah. And cool. we're in the Horrible. midst of one yeah. currently. Yeah. So is there like a comeback? Like, there's gotta be. I really think there is. And now we have what two documentaries that's like right off the backs of each other? It's gotta be coming back. It's got the math is there. The 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 it's it would be crazy if American Gladiators wasn't reborn again on on tv or some streamer or something i mean you know um, johnny's working working his magic right now. absolutely he's got <laughs> to and he's he's probably to us or to vice and to whomever like acting all upset about both documentaries and threatening to sue and all <laughs> oh, that yeah, yeah if he's smart and you know he is he's thinking okay people are literally saying the words american gladiators the first for the first time since 2009 so like, and there's a writer strike, like, let's do this. Like, so he's yeah. hopefully he's using it to his own advantage. I encourage him to do that. Cause I think, uh, now is, there's, <laughs> there's not a better time than now, you know? <laughs> but yeah, no, the fact that the writer strike history e exists and especially it's terribly ironic because, you know, American gladiators was born out of these union ironworker picnics it is just, I don't know, poetic injustice or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, a weird parallel there for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty fascinating that it that the doc came out during a writer strike as well. So, um, yeah, man, workers and and the fact like as you see in both documentaries and is clearly uh, accurate. Like all the gladiators were getting like. Significantly exploited. They were getting 
They were getting, um, you know, low pay. They, they were getting injured. Mm -hmm. They were threatened with being replaced. It's just like, you know, a boss and a worker, you know, a management and, and the workforce is in America, um, often, you know, a, a, a difficult dynamic where the, where the, (laughs) the working class is exploited and chewed up and spat spat out. Um, So the writers in Hollywood are experiencing sticking up for themselves. The gladiators went on strike and stuck up for themselves. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's an American tale. That's, that's really like what made me interested in actually doing a doc about American gladiators. It wasn't the subject matter at hand. It wasn't, you know, nitro and ice and Malibu and saber, even though I love a number of them. Um, and it wasn't the nostalgia, like go fuck yourselves. Uh, <laughs> like, we get nostalgia. We understand what that is. Um, we don't need it. We don't. We don't need to lead with it and and have that be the only thing we're here for. Um, but but yeah, to do a doc using American Gladiators to make a doc a film about America, and I I as I hear myself say that that's fucking pretentious, but it's. <laughs> It's kind of what we did, and it's kind of the second layer, the deeper layer that, like, I think in projects that I do, it's you got the small story, you got Amazing Jonathan, this magician comedian, but it's, you know, really about, like, mortality and dealing with mortality and death and truth and illusion and magic. It's, like, deeper stuff than just, remember that guy from the 80s and 90s who used to cut his arm open on stage? And remember... The TV show American Gladiators, you know, but yeah, but what what's under that, you know? I think, man, how do you guys uh, on the dock? Are you fans of American Gladiators? Are you just fans of me and Thirty for Thirty? Yeah, what? I heard Ben Berman had a new project out, and that's not no, true. Uh, <laughs> that's no, some people like. <laughs> hey, well, hey, Joe, now Joe now it may be, it may be now. Uh, now that I'm on your on. podcast, you'll you'll check in with my career <laughs> as it goes on if it does. No, uh, I don't. I was it just. Goes. Laying on the couch, I I tend to frequent ESPN, and I was like, "Oh, American Gladiator stock. That sounds interesting." He digs uh, up all the stuff. Yeah. All the stuff. Cool. I, I I pull all the weight around here, Ben. Pretty much yeah, is what good. Nick's saying. Uh, no, uh, but you you came up with a great segue there because uh, I did want to touch on the amazing amazing Jonathan because um, I did run and watch that after I finished American Gladiators, and uh, man, just. The your style of um documentary is so it's so good. It's so thank you. It just pulls or at least me, it pulls me in like with with like I said earlier, your editing and the presentation of it. Um, but the story of Jonathan also is just hyper fascinating. And um how did that one come about? That one came about in a much different way than the Gladiators Project and was, from soup to nuts, was so different. <laughs> um, and to be honest, the, Ameri- the the Jonathan Doc was so much better of an experience <laughs> for me. Uh, I think mainly, probably because I didn't have anything to compare it to um, in, in documentary. It was my first thing. But um, so basically, yeah, I... I in 2016 or so, I was like uh, directing a pilot for Comedy Central. Uh, it's with a magician comedian whose name is Justin Willman, who's since had 
a show on Netflix called Magic for Humans, and he's hosted some shows and stuff. Very nice, uh, friendly, magic comedian, accessible, presentable guy. Um, I was in the writer's room, visiting the writer's room one day when we were working on that pilot, and him and some of his other younger magician comedian writers were talking about the amazing Jonathan, and they mentioned, like, he was, like, he was addicted to some sort of drugs, and, like, he went to his doctor, and his doctor said, well, you better just keep on doing these drugs, because if you stop, your body can't, wouldn't be able to, like, um, what's <laughs> yeah, it called? handle the withdrawal. Yeah, handle the withdrawal, and you die, so just keep on doing your drugs, which ended up not being a fact, just something Jonathan <laughs> made up. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that was maybe, like, old medicine like it's changed a lot when it comes to that stuff for the past 20 years they've changed their thoughts on that Just yeah do more <laughs> of course right um i also heard yeah i heard he was he was ill he was dying he was addicted to drugs and he was like supposedly giving away some of his act to like younger magicians to like have his act live on so that was enough and i i was i was a, uh, I i used to I was familiar with the amazing Jonathan when I was coming up as a, as a kid uh, from comedy central specials and stuff um, on TV. And I was like, Oh, that could make for an interesting, like 15 minute verite slice of life doc about this Vegas magician comedian facing his mortality with humor and whatever. And um, through Justin, it was able to reach out to Jonathan and then arrange a time to drive out to Vegas, just me and my buddy, uh, John Roig. I was camera. He was the sound guy. And we like filmed for like two days uh, with Jonathan very lightly. And, um, and like in that for within the first hour of filming Jonathan, just getting a tour of his house. That's when he like smoked meth in front of us. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, I was like, dude, I'm a genius. Like I'm, I'm able to film this. Like, how, like, no, it was just like, he just wanted to be shocking. And yeah, show us him smoking meth which wasn't like nothing happened <laughs> anyway but um yeah so 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 one thing led to another i just kept on like everyone every once a month every once a month once a month i would go to <laughs> vegas film for a weekend and then six months into doing that we were about to go on tour he was about to mount a comeback because he hadn't died yet he was given a um a, a diagnosis or he was going to die and he was given a year to live, but then four years later he was still living. So he mm -hmm. went back on toward then um, the twist happens, which it's been years out. And so now, so uh, it's no shock that Jonathan allowed another documentary oh my gosh, of his life to film another documentary <laughs> about him at the same time I was filming mine and told me that, they were the people that made Searching for Sugar Man and, and um, Man on Wire, these two Academy Award winning docs. So my documentary kind of shifts and opens up to include that, that story <laughs> as well. I, I think I cried laughing every edit where you're like, and another documentary. <laughs> what was it like four by the end of it? Did any of them come out with their documentaries? Yeah, in, in, my, in the Amazing Jonathan doc, towards the end, we go to the premiere of the second oh, okay. crew, um, and I'll I'll not spoil that because that's <laughs> that was, oh that was good. Um, around, I've done stuff, you know. It, it's fun yeah. to like one okay thing about getting older and taking naps and feeling like you're getting fat <laughs> is at least like 
checking up on like, oh man, I I've done now I've done two documentaries. Now I've, you know, like, and just thinking about scenes from the Jonathan doc. And again, that experience was kind of so pure and like the way that that doc was made was just so small and so pure and like natural in a way. It wasn't always easy, but anyway, I don't know. Sounds like a nature doc. No, I'm kidding. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Fun to remember that years ago, I, me and a couple friends flew to Vancouver, not knowing what we were going to film and then like filmed around the streets. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just fun thinking that. So uh, your, your friend that makes an appearance in Jonathan uh, that is kind of like giving you the pep top talk and stuff. Is that the same guy who shows up in the post credit scene of. Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. He, he, yes. that, that little post credit scene made me laugh and uh, his <laughs> scenes in Jonathan were pretty funny. <laughs> his, he, yeah, his scenes in Jonathan were kind of the best. Uh, not only for me, <laughs> just cause I'm, cause I'm a fan of, him and putting him stuff him in stuff of mine and him giving me advice his advice on and off camera is just always correct and funny and mm. whatever um but uh yeah no uh, having watched the the Jonathan doc many times in many different screenings with different people uh a lot of laughs come from John <laughs> scenes um needed to toss him into the gladiators one especially oh, yeah. him him when what he says in the gladiators one is so <laughs> accurate <laughs> now more than ever, like, what are you doing like people yeah. are, what's what channel is this on oh, yeah. like, people yeah. are gonna watch this like what <laughs> yeah. people, people are tuning in looking for sports and you're giving them your search <laughs> for truth of like who stole this idea and this native american man and you know like he only saw part two directors like this is not just like sports and stats and like yeah yeah you know, yeah, I don't know. It's hey, you're you're giving us the story we didn't know we needed. Um, that's what I, I I appreciate that. I hope that's the case. Yeah, um, a lot of people didn't need the story. <laughs> but, <laughs> just but. across the board, they just didn't. Need. Um, yeah. one one thing I did like also in the Jonathan doc was kind of uh, you showing, um, your love for filmmaking, like even as a child, and that the scenes you know with your dad and about your mom and all that stuff. Uh, it was really cool to see. So like filmmaking has been a passion of yours for a long time. For sure. I think when I was a child, I, I don't think I wouldn't call it like a film filmmaking or a passion. It's just like gravity or something. It's just like somehow ca I let cameras were my thing and I could make little videos. <laughs> like that's it so then you know that grows as you get into junior high and you make little videos with your friends and music videos and stuff and but yeah no I've always gravitated towards cameras and making stuff even even not in uh vi visual vi video or filmmaking like I think as a kid I always like drew and always like built little things and still to this day I, I there is a nice feeling about like building something putting a little package together you know mm -hmm. making something feel a certain way or or seeing progress be made i i get really fucked up and you you could ask many of my teammates especially on the gladiators doc the difficulties i have when i when i don't see progress getting made i can lose my mind 
Um, because in the Tim and Eric world, where I, the way I came, the way I made little videos when I was a kid and, and then coming to Hollywood <laughs> in, in a very non-Hollywood way, working with Tim and Eric, like we would just go out in the parking lot, shoot something. Uh, we would edit, to, edit it together and that's it, you know, like <laughs> it's, it, I don't know. Um, but yes, to answer your question, always been into film and video and making things. What about how, you? How, what are you? What are? You, what are? You, is that a passion? Do you guys make stuff, or is and sh uh, this podcast is it specifically about talking about uh, film projects? Uh, yeah, I I think it's fair to say we're both creative-minded people that enjoy uh, that process you were talking about. Um, wow, this is this is awesome. Our interviewee is flipping the script and interviewing us. Um, but so yeah, uh, we, that I mean, that <laughs> is exactly what you do. Um, I expect this to be in your third documentary, by the way. Um, you have all the rights to this clip here. No, um, no yeah, we, 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 we like to talk about shows, movies, games, all that stuff in between there. Um, that's kind of how this came to be. Um, yeah. But man, I wasn't expected to get asked that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, we definitely just kind of, we exercise our, uh, creative juices through the podcast, whatever it might be. So we like to surround ourselves with also creative people. So it's a, it's I guess our passion project, our, yeah. our hobby. Apparently, <laughs> it's our full time job. One hundred forty six episodes of this, or we're in the midst of the one hundred forty six. That's a lot, guys. Of the Thursday yeah, episode, been yeah. a while. That's it's so many. Um, we were one yeah. of the classic. Uh, started out of the pandemic i podcast. mean who doesn't have a podcast these days right <laughs> right i mean we just we felt left out honestly we just had to really catch the know, way get in be a part of the crowd yeah uh, but enough about us let's talk about you um yeah. how how did He's you like, get uh, started creating in um with tim and eric was that your first like gig um it was my first like real job and it was what i moved out to LA to do and it had celebrities and cameras and stuff and but I went to Temple University in Philadelphia for film school and after that I tried to make a little bit of a run at like being a sound person like you know sound mixer recording person for video and film and um one thing of the boom mic right now. I know it's like it finally, it's, it's finally like <laughs> is motivated now. Yeah, that, that was I was just ripping off another filmmaker whose name is Nick Broomfield, who is known to have his. Yeah, he makes great docs. British guy that ha is the sound guy and knocks on doors and get tries to get answers and stuff and very very much what we were kind of aping, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. So Tim and Eric was absolutely like my first real thing. Everything else was just like freelance and like I was doing a terrible job <laughs> uh, at it. Um, but yeah, no, coming out to LA, working with Tim and Eric uh, was really great and like was completely crazy hands-on experience and like very quickly started editing some behind-the-scenes stuff, shooting behind-the-scenes doc, doc stuff and cutting that together, some promos and stuff and got got to do some stuff that like a, a PA <laughs> doesn't normally get to do one, you know, three days after moving to, to LA and, and then, 
um, was able to keep doing it and build, building that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little sad that the boom mic didn't make an appearance tonight. <laughs> like, I'll go get I brought it. A, uh, Tim Heidecker has a sh- uh, <laughs> talk show called Office Hours tonight. I had the headphones and the boom mic on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. I was doing a little uh, homework this morning and and found that video and I was I got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> give you some other prop. I did. I use these on, on Doug Lucenhop, who he has got a pot. Everyone does have a podcast. I'm telling Doug you, Lucenhop, who's an old Tim and, or, you know, Tim and Eric editor, um, has a podcast with Brent Weinberg. Wines. What's Weinberg? Brent Weinberg? Weinberg. That doesn't sound right. Weinstein. Weinstein? That's a bad name. Anyway, this comedian I mean, Brent and uh what's it called? Pound the Poundcast. And I was on that the other day and I wore these. So I'll give you a little bit of this. Oh, nice. There we go. <laughs> um, there's no point in that. Yeah. I mean, they look pretty red. Um so was was a documentarian always the goal or uh, is that's just kind of something that you fell into and discovered that you actually like really enjoy doing very good question it wasn't always the goal but uh at a fairly early age like i saw a clip of um don't look back da pennybaker's documentary about bob dylan uh in 1965 going on tour in the uk and it's just like it was the most raw it wasn't a movie like i as a kid you would only have seen like movies like indiana jones or something and then to see this artifact this (laughs) black and white grainy shaky thing just looking like aiming a camera at this like very iconic musician that i was already like a fan of i was like what is this like it's not pretty to look at it's messy as fuck like this must be art and i was like this (laughs) so uh long story short i did kind of i did certainly fall in love with documentary uh also, I think maybe when I was in high school, I don't know exactly when the doc American movie came out when I first saw it, which is, I think is when it first came out. But I also fell in love with that. Very different thing. Have you guys seen American movie? Mm-mm. Chris Smith's doc? If you haven't, mother... Oh, go. American <laughs> movie is pretty much, in my assessment, one of the best documentaries. If, okay. if you like the Jonathan doc, I, th- I think you guys will like it. I think sensibility-wise... It's about this guy, Mark Borchardt. Where, where does he live? I want to say Milwaukee, maybe? Um, in the winter, or it goes through many years, but he's this uh, auteur filmmaker who's made films with his friends growing up, and like he's going to make the American dream. He's going to make his, like, his first horror feature in his hometown, and it's he's an incredible character, extremely endearing extremely eloquent but like just can't get it together and it's it's very funny it's very pa- like he's very passionate and it's really to me inspiring i watch it like once a year anyway watch american movie um nice. but yes i've always loved documentaries especially like very raw verite docs and um and and i just happened to find myself 
thinking about shooting a short doc, the Jonathan short that ended up being a long, um, and, 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 and then it kind of, that's how it happened. But yeah, love documentaries, but, um, yeah, always price. When I was a kid, I was like, I want to be like Steven Spielberg or something like that. <laughs> right. Is maybe, that, is that in the cards? A Steve, to be Steven Spielberg? Well, maybe not be Steven Spielberg, but like, uh, <laughs> I think it turning... would have happened if it's gonna, if it, I, I think there's like, I'd like to be maybe what's somewhat realistic and someone I'd like to be is like a, um, uh, I blank on his name sometimes. Um, the guy that did, uh, um, Florida project, the guy that did tangerine, the guy, we got to look it up. I follow him. Uh, Baker, Baker, not Clark Baker, something, but Chris Baker, Sean Baker, great filmmaker. And he makes these like kind of small, but really like auteur, you know, kind of grimy movies that are really well made. And um, yeah, there's, there's filmmakers out there that I, I think I, I think I could be parallels to them that do narrative. Sometimes, you know, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever just say like never any more documentaries, but I certainly, you know, my, my experience, my history, my, my past is in narrative and comedy. And I've made some short films, uh, one of which ugly kid, Joe cross pointed out um, is how to lose weight in 40 steps. Uh, But yeah, so I want to do narrative as well. Nice. Nice. Um, Check out Sean Baker's stuff, too. I'm giving you guys fucking... Yeah, gold. I'm, I'm going to have so much stuff to watch after this. Um, watch the the Florida Project is, is in my assessment, his his best to date. Okay, okay. Florida Project. Uh, clearly, there's a difference between uh, those styles, between, you know, a, a regular series or a movie and a documentary. Um, but in your experience, uh, like, how different are they? And which one... Do you kind of, I mean, you've made two documentaries, but uh, which one do you prefer? What are the options? Like making another documentary or or going into the like movie or series. uh, I want to, um, I, 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 uh, I should slash I want to slash I want to get my brain back into not only the creative but the like how to actually like produce and make um a narrative a narrative film i and at this point like i have no to do a feature is probably like um that that is as much as the amazing jonathan doc was like my voice and my like you can really feel that there's a a filmmaker and and hopefully you you like what you're feeling from that mm-hmm. I would like to do in a narrative feature and and I've only done it in short so far so that 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 that's a a healthy uh goal or something to have in mind um but at the same time like I see like you know Spike Jones will like do a short film or something like I have no um judgment of short films there that's a great viable valuable art form um yeah. Uh, so maybe I'll make a short 
as well. Is is there a story lurking in the back of your brain for a project like that, or is this just kind of something you want to do and you don't you haven't gotten that far yet of brainstorming a narrative? No, there's about? certainly one that's been floating around, kicking around drafts of scripts of of, of you know the last draft was maybe years ago, but yeah, there's certainly an, a a a world and an idea and a and a script um, for a feature that uh, is. I think still to this day, my passion project. Um, oh. It deals with uh, roughly assisted suicide, but in a uh, me way. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like really happy, then really dark, like like that. Yeah. Where it's really happy <laughs> and then really dark. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Dog's oh, that, that sounds awesome. Um, um, so Joe Cross wants to audition um, yeah. <laughs> for the for the someone assisted suicide. I guess someone uh, suffocating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. wow. absolutely. Holy kid, Joe I, Cross. I think you and me are going to be good friends. You know, you're really <laughs> hit me up on Instagram. I'm horse underscore Berman. What are your viewers? How many how many viewers you guys got? At least three. We're just really <laughs> raking in the views. Um, Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, can I tell a funny story real quick about no. our, our interactions on Twitter? Well, too bad. It's my podcast. You got to wrap so it up. Gonna... Thanks, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I w- the way this kind of like came together was so easy and quick that I seriously thought I was being catfished. And I was like. You don't need to advertise that I'm like any, any, any fucking person. Oh, yeah. It cost right a lot of money. But besides that, it was super easy and quick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like. Is this like this couldn't have came together like that? Like I'm no Sean Baker. Is this I'm actually... no Spielberg. <laughs> you can uh, get, good point. Everyone good point. can get to me pretty easily. And if someone just says, like, hey, I really liked your movie, would you do my podcast? The answer is gonna be yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then someday I think I'll have gotten catfished and they'll be like, Okay, we're recording or we're live now. Jokes on you. We actually didn't like your movie. We're team Netflix, and now we're gonna Oh, <laughs> for a while. Oh, um, full circle. There we go. Is there um, anything more to the story, or you're just you just wanted to recount how? No, I was just I was just like I said, yeah, yeah. I was like I I really hope I'm not getting catfished, but I wasn't. Here you are, great guy. Following through. Once he accepts awesome. the Google invite, it's, it's yeah. Locked. That's when yeah, it's you, can. you know it's official when the calendar invite gets accepted. I usually don't accept those, so I'm happy I did Ooh. that for you guys. Oh, there you go. Kind of Ben Berman exclusive there. Um, but yeah, Nick, you got any more questions for, for our pal Ben here? Um, Jordan, in in the comments, um, he definitely made sure to ask you about, he said that you interviewed Weird Al in, in somewhere the in the documentary. Doc. Okay. Um, he, he has interacted with Weird Al before, and he was just wondering um, like how strange or interesting weird Al is obviously like in person how weird is weird Al? yeah absolutely not weird he's he's um completely normal he's like he's pretty he's pretty he's extremely he's in my experience the few times that i've interacted with him um he's extremely normal and uh but his sensibility like especially in a documentary interview his sensibility yeah. is still very funny and dark and like you know he likes funny stuff like us he likes i remember him, right. like, him he's like a fan and a friend of the state sketch comedy group and stella and 
and Tim and Eric, he was on Tim and Eric. So he, he likes good, funny, dark stuff, but somehow throughout the decades, he's managed to be so user-friendly and so accessible. It's still <laughs> very funny. And will like every once in a while do something pretty dark and twisted. Um, but he's always been, I don't know. So yeah. clearly someone needs to do a doc on weird Al. Um, uh, himself he needs to do the doc on him on himself that's really the only way it would have to happen yeah i think it would just be a video blog at that point yeah <laughs> if you heard a fart that wasn't me farting that was literally me just <laughs> let, it, let the audience know classic well hey um, thanks for clearing that up of course um yeah uh again i, I don't want to eat up your whole evening um this you're all energized started. fresh He's off a nap go. like you got the whole rest I, of the night finally heading. awake I'm finally awake now. Yes. Um, which is odd because I've heard our podcast does the opposite and helps. Uh, it's 10 p.m. your time. Ooh-wee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing we always ask uh, our guests when they come on uh, is what they're currently watching or playing. Are you watching or playing any games these days? I'm not a game guy, um, but currently watching. Uh, I was watching a lot of. The Netflix gladiators. <laughs> I was just gonna say you watch um, that. No, I wanna. Uh, I wanna come up with a good answer. Well, I was all Succession, and that's over. That's nothing mm. new. I tried to check out The Idol. That's fucking garbage. Um, <laughs> Dave was cool, but that's over now. Um, yeah, I'm looking for my next good watch. So if you guys have anything to recommend, please do. I always have to recommend Severance on Apple Plus. Yeah. I feel like I, not enough people are seeing that show. Yeah, I, I, I've heard great things. I watched the first two episodes and something kept me from continuing on. And I know some people involved in that show. And it's it clearly it's great. Um, I don't know, something it was a little too Scandinavian or something for me. It was a little too <laughs> something, which I can usually handle that stuff. I don't know. I'll go back and watch it. And season okay. two, I think they the writer strike shut them down. Yeah, but they're going to come back hopefully. And um, so I'll I'll check that out. All right. Well, there. I think we got the quote of the episode. Like a little too Scandinavian. A little for too me. Scandinavian. <laughs> uh, but hey, thank you again so much for coming on. It was a blast getting to talk and getting to Thanks, know man. more about you. Um. Thank you, everyone who was here. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, make sure you go follow Ben on Twitter and Instagram. What was your handle again? Wow, what a fucking face. Uh, horse <laughs> underscore Berman. If you just look up Ben Berman, it it should be there. <laughs> a blue check mark on Instagram so you know it's me. There you go. Um, and make sure you check out his work over on ESPN+. Plus. I think you can watch it on without having plus i'm not sure like nick said it's espn app is pretty confusing when you get to that part but it's busted um, it's also 30 30 for 30s are available on um via amazon you can rent episodes or buy episodes of 30 for 30 so you can check out part one and part two of the american gladiators doc via amazon or at amazon plus but that is a little complicated if you don't already have it and if you have the Disney bundle, I think you can also watch on Hulu, but that's the platform that the amazing Jonathan Doc is on. Yes. Hulu and only Hulu. Gotta watch that too. That's a great one. That's um, next. But yes, thanks again. Uh, we'll let you get out of here. 
And uh, if you're here watching, subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you next week. So, you guys, have a good one. to do with my evening now i'm not i'm not ben if anyone was wondering <laughs> whoa ben you look so different yeah